Because we can say that all day long. It's like, you can achieve it. But if you don't absolutely believe it to your core, then you will not achieve it. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am Amira Alvarez, the founder and CEO of Unstoppable Woman, and I am super excited to bring to you, my loyal listeners today, Courtney Dyer, who is the voice behind Financially Free Journey podcast. Did I get that right? The Financially Free Journey podcast? Close, right? Yes. Yes, Okay. Um, and Courtney and I recently met and hit it off. I was on her podcast twice. Have those episodes dropped yet, Courtney? Yeah, they both have, and they are unstoppable as we would love to say. So So anyways, we had a rollicking good time on both of those podcasts. Um, there were two interviews because there was just the conversation just kept going and going. And it was really, it was a really fun and deep, um, conversation. So I would encourage all of you, if you like the conversation today, go, go back to her podcast as well. And uh, we'll put in the show notes, the links to the ones where she and I are, are talking, but I'm sure she has other fantastic guests as well, but those were fun. And I think you'll feel the energy um, when you listen to them and feel the energy today. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. You ready? Oh, I've been, I was born ready. Born I, I'm ready. ready. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, cause you talk a lot about money and I talk a lot about money and we probably talk about money from kind of, we have similar perspectives, but we, we come at it from a different angle. You know, I come at it from how do you build your revenue? How do you build your business? How do you scale your business? What can you do with money? How you can break through your money blocks? All these, these kinds of the, the truth about how money works from a metaphysical perspective, law of compensation, all of these things, right? And you come at it from a, how do you, if I understand correctly, like how do you manage your money? How do you get wrap your, your head around money from, from the, the money management perspective, like more of a traditional, um, what do you do with your investments? What do you do? You know, once you make money kind of thing. And I would love to start off our conversation by finding out how you came, what was your money journey? Like, how did you come to be doing this and to be speaking about this? Yeah. Like it's, it's this taboo topic. And I know you run into this as well. And it's probably why you've developed so much passion around talking about money with women in conjunction with their business, because it really goes hand in hand and directly contributes to their overall success. Right. And for me, I have always been like a self-proclaimed money nerd since very young. I mean, just hoarding my money and it's just been like weird, right? Like who, who is like that? But I have always been like that. And it just grew into, I went to school, I, I, you know, went to school for business finance, very door, I thought I was going to be like an accountant and I was excited about that. So that just tells you a a little bit about me. Uh, But I, I've worked in the finance industry for, you know, 13, 14 years now. 
And I've had the opportunity in various roles to work with people that are living paycheck to paycheck. They're trying to recover from divorce, from death. Uh, you know, they're going through really hard times or people that didn't have the economic background, the educational the background, the knowledge they needed all the way up to multi, you know, millionaires, 60, 70, 80 million dollar clients. And one thing that was the same across the board is lack of financial literacy and confidence in particular with women. And so for me to be able to see like that common denominator, it wasn't necessarily the economic background, the knowledge, did they go to school for it? It seemed to be an issue across the board. And so being the nerd that I am, like it's not enough to just go to work and, and be excited to help people with money in that capacity. I'm like, I want to help educate people more because this is a true problem. I mean, in, in the United but States- let's pause, let's pause there for a second. I'm going to just oh, interrupt yeah. you. So, because you oh, said something oh. that I need to know more about, which is- yeah. The people, because something's something's not ticking for me here, but I'm sure there's 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 an explanation. You said the people who are living paycheck to paycheck and the I'm going to call them uber wealthy, the 80 million dollar clients have a they both have financial literacy issues. So are you say, are you saying that the the people who are the people that make $80 million are that, well, let me say it differently. Are the, are the clients that have $80 million people who make $80 million or are they people who inherited $80 million? I have a hard time um, thinking about visualizing someone who has made $80 million being financially illiterate. So explain to me uh, that. Okay. So a lot, a big thing that a lot of people get confused or they blur them together is net worth and cash flow, right? So if I have a net worth of a million dollars, I can still be broke because net worth does not equate cash flow. Totally. And so the money coming in, right? I mean, it, it has to exceed the amount going out and it's a real issue and it's and it's very prevalent within the United States in particular because of lifestyle inflation keeping up with the Joneses, right? Uh, putting your highlight reel up online and you got to keep up with everyone, regardless of whether you want it or not. It's like, well, the, you know, my friend that I met in high school that I see on Facebook just got a new house. Like I need to get a bigger house, right? And this, this is a societal issue. It's a pressure that's placed on us that we, you know, we, we perceive as a need, like I need to increase my, my expenditures, right? So regardless of your net worth being million plus, mm -hmm. it doesn't equate being wealthy. And that's where this is a big one for, for entrepreneurs. It, it yeah. was, it was very shocking to me when I was going through my, you know, journey on making more, right. That yeah. if you make a million dollars, cause that was my first level goal. I was like, I want to make a million dollars, which is great. Like, let me just not say anything bad about making a million dollars. It's a great goal to have. If it's your goal, do not, I'm not dissuading you from it. Cause it served me well. Okay. Like oh, having absolutely. that as like a, a juicy thing that I was moving forward towards served me well. But I was shocked that, you know, even with a company that has uh, a low expense ratio, if you will, you're still like profits, like 
250, 300, you're not a freaking millionaire. Okay. Like there's a difference between revenue and profit. And so is that the kind of thing that you're talking about in terms of financial literacy? Absolutely. Yeah. Because again, you can make a million dollars all day long, but if you spend a million dollars, you're broke. And in fact, you're more broke than someone that makes 50 grand a year, but they spend 30 in expenses. They are have more wealth than you do. So that's where this concept- Well, they have more not, cash flow, right? They have more cash flow, right? I mean, you know, with my multi-million dollar clients that I've helped, yes, they can sell off all their assets, right? But assets and liabilities. So that's where you have to take into account how much of a liability are you taking on to be able to build real wealth. So then that way you can have financial freedom or I like to really interchange that with time freedom. You know, yeah. even like your listeners in particular, entrepreneurs launching a business, is your passion to be in this business 24 seven, it cannot operate without you. And as soon as you stop putting in every moment of time you have, the business is gonna crash, right? I mean, we have to make sure that this is sustainable. We're building wealth over time so we can have time freedom and we can have options. Absolutely. And, and yet, as you probably know from like the, are you familiar with the profit first model? Yeah. Okay. So like that book was such a, um, if you're not familiar with that book, run, don't walk. It's a great book. Okay. Um, but the, the, the big unveiling of that book is that the deep, dark secret of many entrepreneurs that are very successful is that they're playing a shell game with their money because they're always investing in the next thing. And they're always, entrepreneurs are so growth minded and they're, they want like, they, they just want to like, yeah, this is where we're going. This is how we're building the company. This is what we do. Yes. I'm going to invest in the headcount. Yes. I'm going to invest in the, the opportunity, the, the new thing, right. That's, that's requires money. And, and so I find it interesting because I know that that's the truth behind the scenes and pulling back the curtains on my business a little bit. I will tell you that that was how I, um, leveraged, right? That's how I, I, I moved the boulder up the mountain. Okay. And I put will in, I put hard work in, I put creative imagination, ingenuity, um, perseverance, determinant, determination, and, you know, discipline, focus, all those, those key attributes. And I fed the business with a ton of money, like what was coming in. I I increased my lifestyle. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But I kept feeding the business and I don't think I would have been able to be as successful as I, I was, as I am, if I hadn't done that initially, the thing that I think happens for many entrepreneurs is they don't know when they're when they've moved the boulder up the mountain enough and they need to course correct a little bit and start figuring out like the different pots that things need to go into and the planning behind it and things like that so do you do find that when you're talking to entrepreneurs do you have a directive like must do this or do you have a a more nuanced approach that accounts obviously this is a little bit of a leading question because I just told you what my approach was, but like, um, like that's a little bit more nuanced to account for the fact that there are time, there are times in your business where you do have to be like, actually my personal savings is not as important as what I need to do to, to move the, the business forward. 
Oh yeah. Well, what I run into with entrepreneurs, and I know you've seen this time and time again with the, the women that you help is it's, there's never a, a balance. It's like, I'm going to go, go, go. I'm putting everything I've got into it, which is, there is a time and a place for that in your business, but then being able to establish and understand when do I transition into taking distributions out of the business, establishing a reoccurring income so I can invest for myself personally outside of the business. And so it's like walking on a tightrope with an entrepreneur because it's like, well, I don't want to be behind the curve. I don't want my competition to beat out my business because I haven't put enough capital back into the business. So it's really, for me, a lot of questions with the entrepreneurs, particularly asking what is the goal, right? Like what, what is the, the pinnacle of success look like for your business? Is it being international? Is it just being able to support your personal expenses? Cause you don't want to have to have a boss, you know, do you want to be, you know, have an IPO and, and, uh, you know, go that route that has to be established first and foremost in the foundation. And then everything from there is a building block to help support that long-term goal. So that way you understand when you're on the tightrope, when is enough, you know, to be able to pull out of the business. And now you're going to be focusing on your personal wealth building, which is critical. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about the wealth of your business, right? Like the cash flow, the balance sheet, all of that of your business doesn't necessarily equate to you personally. So we've got to think about a strategy to start pulling out of the business and to be able to establish that wealth for yourself. hundred percent. And one of the things that you said that I think is really important, and I just want to underscore is like, when is enough? I think there is a difference between a freelancer and a contractor or a consultant, a small business owner and an entrepreneur. Okay. And I work with all three. So plug yourself in loyal listener to which category you're in. We've been talking about entrepreneurs here. Entrepreneurs don't have that. There is enough like gene in their, their being. Okay. It's just, it's not, it's like, it's growth for growth sake. They're totally plugged into their growth directive. And one of the things that I, yeah, I'm just going to translate something that I I share with my clients in, in coaching around business is, you know, people, people like, I just spoke to a client this morning about onboarding. Uh, she's got like three new people starting and like everything's happening at once. And like, how to, how do you do the onboarding? Right. Yeah. And, and I, I was like, well, you have to figure out what done looks like first 30 days first 60 days, first 90 days. What does done look like? And because we want everything now. And, and so the, this concept of what is enough, and I'm going to translate it to what does done look like? And, and the nuance there for the entrepreneur is what does done look like for right now? And then you can build, like you can build the next level dream. You can build the next level vision, but give your chance, give yourself a chance to um, achieve that goal. Right. Because otherwise yeah you're moving the goalposts and you never feel like you never feel enough. Never feel satisfied, right? With what yeah. you've done. And yeah. it, why I think it's so important. It's like, uh, 
when you go on a trip and you plug in GPS, I mean, you've got to have like a starting point and you've got to have an ending point so you can take your trip, right? And it's the same thing with your business and the growth of your business and how that translates to, as you've said, Amira, what does done look like or point B, <laughs> the destination here? So we can build in the building blocks to support long-term happiness because what are we all doing this for? It's to support our happiness or our passion. You started your business because you have passion, you have drive, and that translates to your internal happiness outside of your business growth. Yeah. And so being able to dig a couple layers deeper and say, what is that for me is so important. So as you said, you're not continuously moving the goalposts and you're never satisfied with all the hard work that you've put in already. And I think everyone needs to have that conversation with themselves about what done looks like, but also, and I'd love your input on this, what the journey looks like, because there are really different attitudes out there about this. You have the Charlie Munger, um, you know, uh, Warren Buffett perspective. They, they live like a very solidly middle-class life. They don't over been overspent. Look, I just used their language, but they don't, you know, they're, they're driving the station wagon. Right. And from the seventies, you have the Gary V's of the world who are like, live in your parents' basement, put everything back into the business. Don't spend anything on yourself. Like none of that. Right. And, and, you know, I was just listening to someone recently. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce his name correctly, but Alex Hermosi, I think I got that right. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a marketer guy, good guy, puts a lot of great stuff out on, on YouTube. And, um, you know, he lived on 30 K a year, even when he was making, you know, millions because, and he very transparently shares that it was because he's very insecure. He was like, I want to bank it and not spend it. So that's one, like, side of the equation, if you will, the dial. And then the other dial, the other side of the dial is keep up with the Joneses, right? That version, which is like, spend everything you have. Don't save anything. Um, you know, like, and, and, and I will share that when I first started making money, I was like, the dam has finally broken, right? Like I get to yeah. buy the pretty clothes. I get to like do all the things that I had um, been kind of budgeting for some day that never came kind of thing. And there's a certain amount that I, I thought and still agree with was, um, fun and useful and like, yeah, let's get the house cleaners. Yes. Let's buy that nice coat. Right. And my perspective is somewhere in between, like you can't keep that up and spend everything that you have that doesn't work. Okay. Whether it's on your business or on your personal life. Now I want your opinion. You might have a different opinion than I do, but I feel like if, if you save everything or you put everything and you put everything back in the business, but you don't have anything for your fun fund. Okay. That you're going to get, or I should say, I would have gotten resentful. Like you got, like, I talked to my clients, go buy that canoe. Like they don't want the, you know, maybe they don't want the fancy car or the pretty clothes or whatever. They want the freaking canoe or the, the whatever, right. Go buy it. Give yourself a little bonus, right. You don't have to spend everything. So what's your take on that? 
you know what? I agree with you. And it comes down, let's let's take everybody else's opinions out of it, right? All of these gurus. And it gets so clouded on the internet, right? And it's like, which way is the right way? It comes down to this simple principle. As long as your income exceeds your expenses, buy the freaking canoe, you know, go buy <laughs> the curve, go buy the bigger house. It comes down to, Amira, what you're helping people do when it comes to making a quantum leap in your business yeah. and in your income. And so as long as your income continues to rise, then hell yeah, have your expenses rise too. That's fine. But, but where the wealth building happens is the margin in between. So yeah. you don't want to keep living day, day to day or to the next client or the next product launch then it's really important to make sure your expenses stay down. Yeah, you don't have to stay in your mom's basement. You don't have to live off of 30 grand a year when you're making a million, but you need to be able to understand however much margin I have between my income and my expenses is how quickly I will be able to have time freedom from my business even, right? I mean, your business is your passion, but you also don't want it to become your shackle, right? Where it's like, I can't, I can't stop doing this even if I wanted to, because it will crumble and I've put everything I have into it and, and I'm not willing to do that. So that's, it just, that's the simple principle. And so, you know, I am not an advocate for saying, well, if you didn't buy that latte every morning, then, you know, you wouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck. No, that's not it. You've got to look at increasing your income and lowering your expenses. It yeah. has to be both. So one of the things that just popped in my mind while you were sharing that, which I think is a, a great point, right? It's that gap, right? Yeah. Is, is that over the years, the amount in my bank accounts, whether they're retirement accounts, savings accounts, checking accounts, business checking accounts, personal checking accounts, whatever it is, right. Has grown exponentially. It's shocking, right? Like I, I you look, look at like, oh, me, <laughs> well, 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 the shocking, so it's shocking and not shocking. My point was going to be that I think that there's a, I'm really fascinated by this and I'm being very transparent here. Like I now look at this compared to what it used to be an extraordinarily large number. And I'm, and I still look at it and think that's not enough. And I find that fascinating to our point of like, what does done look like? Right. And I always have bigger goals, right? Like I know if we're going, if we're going to grow the company this large, I need to have X amount of operating expense in the, the checking account. So that, you know, in the business account, so that like, for the ups and downs, like we have it covered, right? Like you, 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 you planning. So then I'm like, well, that's not enough. Right. And, and yeah. there's this little, there's that gap. What am I trying to say here? The gap changes. It's still more, but it can, it's, it's relative to what you're going for. You can still feel like it's not enough because you're going for more. And how do you adjust your perspective on that. And I'm, I'm outing myself. I need to adjust my perspective on that because there's a ton of money in my bank account, but it's like, compared to what, like I'm using the law of relativity against myself here instead of, well, pro and for and 
counter counter if I'm thinking I haven't gotten far enough, which I don't really play that game. And, but it's a good planning tool if you're thinking ahead. So any thoughts on that? I, I, I kind of riffed in my own little world there, but I think that that's fascinating. You know? oh, yeah. I mean, this is kind of like the theme of our discussion, but the moving goalposts and how do you know enough is enough? And this translates in your business and in your personal life. That's why I think it's really powerful to understand if my goal is X amount of net worth or cash flow, then being able to reverse engineer what I need to do to be able to build into that number. Because if you don't do that previous, then you're not going to be able to ever obtain the goal because you don't know what the goal is. Yeah. So every entrepreneur should be able to, on the drop of a dime, say what their revenue goal is. They should be able to say what their uh, distribution goal is uh, from their business for their own personal income. And they should be able to say that for you know, the current year, five years, 10 years, until they have their you know, business succession plan happen. And they should be able to quantify that number and then be able to back in the activities that are happening in their business and personal uh, you know, wealth building to be able to achieve those numbers. Because like you said, Amir, it will always move. And I see that happen a lot with people with their personal finances and with their business. And I even had a discussion with someone recently and uh, you know, they're, they're on the path to trying to be financially independent. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, yeah, I, all I'm doing is saving, investing. Like that is my goal. And I said, well, what is the dollar amount that you're trying to achieve? And she's like, well, 5 million. I said, okay, why? So I don't know. I, I like the number. I like, I would like to be able to say I have $5 million. I said, okay, but, but what, like, let's back into that number. Why five? And when we actually broke it down and her true goal, because I like to say your money goals need to directly connect to your happiness and money is just a conduit for your happiness and how you can spend your time. And when we broke it down, her happiness really derived from being able to travel, spend time with her children that were now grown and had kids. And when we broke it down, I said, you already have enough money to be financially independent now. So I tell that story because you may think you need more, but if you really ask yourself and reverse engineer, like, What's going to actually make me happy? That number could be vastly different. It could be much lower. It could be much higher. And yeah. if you don't do the math on it, if you don't do the investigation, you could be making yourself miserable on both extremes, right? Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So, so what do you think the blocks are for most people? So people, people, you work with people on around money all the time and, and, I work with people, women, uh, on their money stories that, that stop them from scaling, that like keep them limited, affect their money decisions. What do you think the biggest blocks that people have are around money from the, your perspective, from the, the, um, the, the work of planning, if you will. Right. Money nerd perspective. Yeah. So <laughs> Speaking to women in particular, right? Because that's that's also my passion. And I also think it's the biggest opportunity to be able to change our overall country's uh, path forward when it comes to financial literacy. Because 
with women in particular, some of the major roadblocks, and I would say the major roadblock is confidence. It is not knowledge. It's not aptitude. It is confidence, which is vastly different. There was actually a study done and uh, they had a group of women and a group of men sit down and they answered the same questions and they were multiple choice and it was around the confidence in money. So in one test, it said, uh, it, it gave all of the answers and they were specific numbers or options. And in the second set of tests, one of the options was, I don't know. So they had the opportunity to mark, I don't know as an option. Well, when you compared the tests from the women to the men, the men scored themselves extremely high in their aptitude and their confidence around money and women when they had the opportunity to choose i don't know they chose it at a significantly higher rate than their male counterparts so how does that correlate we lack confidence not knowledge not aptitude so how can we increase our confidence and that really is the biggest hurdle to jump over because it's it's hard to quantify confidence it's not hard to quantify quantify like your knowledge you're like that's black and white like i i know that i know that so and that's what the the million dollar question is because we have the biggest exchange of wealth happening for women in particular because women statistically outlive their male counterparts and so thinking about heterosexual relationships women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, that statistically speaking, will outlive their partners. But also those women have also deferred the authority within their household to their, to their husbands. And so how can we increase our confidence so then that way you can be successful and be able to make really smart money decisions and not feel the need to defer to someone else to make those really hard decisions? And that's, that's really the biggest issue is confidence that we need to work on as women in general. So there's single women, there's women in relationships, whether with heterosexual relationships or same-sex relationships. Um, do you think that there is a difference in how you need to build your confidence, whether you are single or in a partnership? Yeah, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a majority is similar, but there's also an added step for someone in a relationship, regardless of whether it's heterosexual or same sex. If you're in a partnership where your finances are intertwined, and this can also translate over to your business, if you have a business partner or someone else that's a part of making these business decisions, being able to have open communication, because you're not going to make the changes that you want if you and your partner are not on the same page. And what's the biggest cause of divorce is fights about money, right? So people avoid it like the plague. And what that, what happens is that just perpetuates the issue and, and it boils into resentment and into issues that could be avoided through open communication. But when it comes to building confidence, there's several things, actionable things that we can do to build our confidence around money. And number one is building our knowledge and building our knowledge consistently. So doing things like listening to this podcast, uh, seeking out mentors, reading books, listening to audiobooks while you're doing your commute, while you're working, while you're cooking dinner, whatever your activities are, 
consistency is the key in any aspect of our life when it comes to building confidence, right? I mean, if we're trying to run a marathon, you can't just the week before say, well, I'm going to start running now and I, and I know I'll finish the marathon. You have to train for months, right? And yes, you have to be yeah. consistent. Yeah. And it's the same thing when it comes to building your knowledge that translates to confidence around money. So that's, that's the first step. Okay. Well, that's, that's a really important step. So part of it is just getting in the game, right? It's like, like it's, it's knowledge. And then you spoke high, a, a lot about the communication. So it's, it's getting in the game in both of those, those ways. One of the things that popped into my head while you were just talking was in terms of money relationships in partnerships, oftentimes women will be interested in coaching with me. They'll have a conversation with, with, us. And then, you know, they'll be wanting to invest in the coaching and they will say something like, well, I need to go talk to my husband or I need to go talk to my partner. And although I totally get that, that there are certain decisions that are partner decisions, right? That you make that decision together. Oftentimes it's a fascinating situation because the woman is running a business of her own, but is seeking permission from their partner. And so I always ask, is this a, a permission question? And, and I gently call that to light because there's a difference between saying, this is, this is the decision I'm making and it's coming from my business, or this is the decision that I'm making and it's coming from family funds, but I'm going to pay for it with my, my business and having a open conversation about it and coming to it with a being decided coming to the conversation in that manner versus coming to the conversation undecided and seeking the decision from the partner, because if they make a mistake in terms of the, the coaching, right. If you know, my, I'm going to flip back my hair and say, my coaching is great because it is, but okay. it, it yeah. takes, it takes the person showing up and, and really going for it. And th there's, there's a level of belief that you have to have about your ability to execute on, on the coaching, right. On the, the advice and the framing, framing and all of that. And if you don't have that confidence, oftentimes the money conversation, like, let me ask my partner is, I don't trust myself. I'm going to get permission from someone else. He or she, usually it's a, he is going to make the decision. So I don't have to be responsible for making that decision and making a mistake. And it's like, let's unpack all of that. And you make this your first, not maybe it's not your first step, but your next step in personal responsibility and owning the decisions that you make. Because when you run a business, you have to be a hundred percent, hundred percent behind your decisions. You are going to make more mistakes than good decisions. Let me just tell you, but you have to make a thousand and one decisions every day and be okay with the consequences and understand how to be resilient and course correct and do the next thing. Right. And so I see this all the time with money decisions that it's yeah. really a, I don't want to make a mistake. So I'm going to defer. Yeah. I'm going to defer or I'm going to not do anything, right? Which is like the next step to deferring. And what does that connect back to? To 
confident. So it translates. So your example of coming to the coaching conversation and when it's time to talk about committing the money, uh, then it's like, okay, I got to, I got to defer. And my, my first question is what, uh, what knowledge did you seek? What research did you do prior to coming to this table today? And it translates to all money decisions. Prior to pulling the trigger on on any money decision, you need to feel confident in the amount of research that you've done so you can confidently commit or, or pass, right? And that comes with a lot of investing. And so that's why I think it's so critical to say, okay, before I come to the table to making this decision, I need to do adequate research so I feel confident uh, in the decision that I'm making. But I see that a lot, particularly with women uh, saying, you know, I need to talk to my partner and it really connects back to confidence. And as you said, like if I mess up in this coaching program or if we invest this money and I can't quantify the results that that came from it, then, you know, people are going to judge me, right? Or my partner or my business partner, they may think I was a failure. So it really connects back to that confidence issue that, that we've been talking about. Absolutely. Okay. I want to shift gears a little bit. Now I often teach on habit success habits. Like what are the things that you need to do habitually, consistently daily? It's like part of all my programs, right? It's like, I, I teach it on the podcast. I teach it in my private coaching, all of it. Okay. What are the habits, maybe top three habits, if you will, that you think are required for financial freedom? Well, first of all, is setting up safeguards for yourself, as I like to call them like bumpers, like when you go bowling and you're not very good. (laughs) So you set up these safeguards for yourself. So you're not going to get in the gutter. So with your finances for your business and personally, the more you can automate the process, the more successful you will be. Because every time you have to manually make a decision when it comes to money, it becomes a negotiation. So to take the opportunity off the table for yourself and say, I'm not even going to give myself an opportunity to have that negotiation in my head, and I'm going to set up these safeguards. So habit number one is to pay yourself first. As an entrepreneur, you have to create a safety net for yourself uh, outside of your business. So if you have the opportunity to take a distribution from your business and to be able to pay yourself first you need to do that, right? If it's not going to jeopardize the growth and the trajectory of the business. But if you have an opportunity to pay yourself first, you absolutely should. And the more automated it can be, the more successful you will be over time. Number two is I don't like the word budget, okay? Because there's really negative connotation to that. So I like to say you need to create a spending plan for yourself because there's nothing wrong with spending money, but you need to create a plan So then that way you are having that freedom, that happiness to spend your money and not feel guilty around what you're doing because you already planned for it, right? So enjoy the purchases that you make instead of every time you make a purchase, it's like, oh, I wonder if this is throwing me off track. So create a spending plan for yourself. So that's, that's number two. And number three is to be able to course correct along the way and say, okay, 
I have automated, I've set up these safeguards, I've paid myself first, I've created a spending plan, and the portion after that, I'm going to invest for my future, whether that be in real estate, investing portfolio, whatever that looks like for you to buy cash flowing assets, that's how you're going to achieve financial freedom, and then be able to go back regularly and say, okay, is what I did successful? Did it work? Because a lot of times we'll do this work up front and then we'll never go back and be like, oh, whoa, I went way off course. Like I went way over to left field, but I never went back and did the work again. So those are some really great starting points to being on the path to financial freedom. Uh, that's going to be sustaining for the long run. I love it. So that was pay yourself first, create a spending plan and then go back and check in on it. Yeah. So what do you recommend in terms of a check-in? Is that quarterly? Is that yearly? Is that monthly? What is that? At least monthly. Okay. At least. Okay. Yeah. And I would say it's every time you get paid or you pay yourself is mm -hmm. every time you go back. And, and the more often you do it, the less work it will be every time. So like, if you've never, if you, if you haven't gone and created a, a plan for yourself and set up the safeguards, that's going to be a lot of work up front. Right. And it's like can be daunting, but the more frequent you check in, the less time it's going to consume well, for you to be, be automated at some point. Exactly. Right. Check. Right. Yeah. And so it could take, you know, 15 minutes it could take an hour, but every time you get paid or you pay yourself, go back and say, okay, does this connect to my spending plan? Do my expenses still, you know, are they still lower than my income? So I'm able to achieve those long-term goals and make sure that you adjust accordingly. And what I love about that is that's a question. It's, it's like, do, does my, my, my spending, is my spending less than my revenue, my income? This is like basic, basic, basic accounting, right? Yeah. And, and, um, that it's a question that you're asking yourself. The best coaching is based on questions rather than directive. There's time and place for both, but I think asking that question is appropriate. And, and I think um, the other question is, and this is kind of contrary to what you're saying. So just forgive That's me in okay. advance, but like to the point that we started off with, if your spending is greater than your income, are you making a conscious choice about that for your business as an investment versus yeah. am I just like expending money on stuff that is frivolous, right? And, and exactly. something that's, that's not an investment, but that, that something that's not going to grow, but something that is depreciates in value. Yeah. So understanding what part of the business cycle you're in because there's different stages and cycles and if you're in growth then yes there may be a point where it's where the you know the teeter-totters gone the opposite route but it's it's for a long-term gain that's going to create more cash flow and success and wealth in the future so if if the listeners are at that point then yeah as long as it's conscious mm -hmm. and on purpose with an intention yeah. then absolutely I often talk to my clients about, you know, understanding how bigger companies than what they're running do. And, and you have to take this all with a grain of salt and, and apply it appropriately and use your discernment. But, you know, companies put stock out there. What is that? That's 
that's a debt that they owe to the stockholders. Okay. They're leveraging someone else's money. They take a business loan in the form of stock, or they take a business loan from a bank. And there's a calculated risk associated with that, that they're going to use that money to leverage and make more money. And this is, this is, you have to know if this is a good strategy for you as an individual, if you're a solo entrepreneur, if you're a larger business, when is the appropriate time to leverage other people's money, which looks like for, for smaller businesses, doesn't look like offering stock, but it looks like um, credit cards or taking an SBA a loan or any number of ways to leverage um, varying degrees. Like credit cards are a little bit more expensive, but SBA loans are the cheapest money that are out there right now, you know, in terms of yeah. leveraging other people's money. And there, there's a time and a place for playing that all out. So, oh, yeah. and well, and with rates being so historically low, I mean, we, in the banking industry, we say, you know, the money is free right now because it's the interest rates have never been as low as they currently are. And when we look at the, you know, the treasury, they're issuing, you know, 50 to 100 year bonds, they're wanting to suppress inflation and interest rates for a long time. And so when you look at your business and the trajectory of your business, if taking on and leveraging debt is appropriate for you right now, go and seek out the low interest rate loans that are available right now, because now, now is a great time to leverage debt if it makes sense for your business. I'm not advocating to take on debt to go buy yourself a Lambo. You know, I'm, I'm if it's strategic. <laughs> Neither am I. Business, yeah. Then absolutely. Cause it's a, it's a great time to do that. hundred percent. Okay. I want to shift back to your personal journey. Can you tell me a little bit about what the impetus was for you to start your podcast, the financially free journey? Yeah, I just, you know what? I just, one day, I don't know if it's like ADHD, right? Just like outing myself there or being like an overachiever. It was like, I don't have enough going on. I work full time. I have three kids. I married, you know, I don't have enough going on. Let me start a podcast. But I just got this idea one day. I'm like, I, you know what? I'm just going to record some episodes on my phone. Literally, Amira, I recorded them on my iPhone, just talking to myself on the way home from the grocery store. And I was like, let's just see. It's like, recording yourself like singing and you're like, do I sound good? And I like played it back and I was like, this is horrible, but I'm going to post it anyway. Okay. Cause I'm going to see what happens, but I'm so happy that I did because I, it also helps increase my knowledge and my passion. And I started it because I am truly passionate about helping people. And it, it's so exciting to see people send me DMS on Instagram or to get emails from people that listen and, and say, Hey, I did X, Y, Z. And because I did that in it, I was able to pay off all of my debt. I've been able to start investing. I never thought I could do that. Uh, and it's just been the best journey. And I just, I love it. And I, and I, all I want to do is continue to grow it. It's like, how can I, how can I record and release more episodes? And you know, better than anybody. Uh, it's a lot of freaking work, you know, I mean, it's to, to produce an episode is like so many hours, but I, I love it. And I just, I want to reach as many women as possible. So they can do the things that we've been talking about. They can feel empowered. They can build confidence. They can sit down, you know, at a cocktail party or, uh, you know, the, the Thanksgiving dinner where their uncles always, you know, drop in, you know, stock, stock market, you know, uh, lingo, and they feel like they can hold their own. 
because they can. Um, and it's just, it just is so exciting to see it grow. I freaking love it. I love that you just recorded it on your phone and you went for it. Like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I can't even, I can't even go back and listen to my first episode without getting like the heebie-jeebies. Right. But, you, know, just, right yeah. <laughs> you just gotta do it. I think that translates to the listeners as well, because with building your business, you know, it's like, we have this imposter syndrome. It's like, well, there's other people that are better. Like, am I really qualified? I think we all feel that to an extent, but you don't know until you just start, like you've got to pull the trigger because you never know what it could turn into and it could change the of your life. Totally. Completely. I'm all about making the quick decisions before you talk yourself out of it. So Exactly. Pull the trigger, baby. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Before I ask you my final three questions, where can people learn more about you and find you? So my podcast is Financially Free Journey. And then also I'm on all social media. It's at Financially Free Journey. So, and they can follow me there. uh, And I love to post like funny, relatable videos and also money content. And I like to keep it short and keep it simple because money can be boring and dry. Like I get it. I got it guys. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So this, this is a big one for me. Uh, Mindset helping, you know, changing how I, I think in this world and, and changing the set point for how I was thinking was huge for me. Can you talk to me a little bit about how that played into your personal journey? Well, yeah, I mean, expanding a little bit more on that imposter syndrome. I think that's a big part of mindset shift because a lot of people struggle with that. And I love that there's now like a name for it. Like, I mean, several, a few years ago, even that wasn't even something that people are talking about, but now it's like this phrase that everybody's using. But for me, it was, I actually, I was following someone on social media and she had a podcast and I was like, what? She has a podcast. So I went and I listened to it and, you know, the production wasn't the best in the world. And she was actually like driving in her car, like recording it, talking to her. Pro- and, and I thought You're like, that was my first podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. If she, and not in a bad way, but it's like, if she put out a podcast, I can put out a podcast. And I just had this epiphany. It's like, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to put it out because you know what is the worst feeling is regret that's the worst feeling that's way worse than imposter syndrome is having regret that I didn't do the things that I knew would make me happy and that I had passion around and when I made that mindset shift you know specifically with my money uh, also because we're the ones that hold ourselves back it's like I don't five years, 10 years is still going to come, right? Like God willing, we're still going to, you know, have that time come. Did I achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve that would support my happiness? Or am I going to still be in the same cycle? And it's like, once that epiphany happened, that's what made me make change in my own actions, because it's like, who holds you back? It's you, you hold yourself back. And um, once I awareness and that awareness and recognition was the big shift for you. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Okay. Next question. How do you stay on top of your game and keep learning? Oh my gosh. You know, I, I build it into my calendar and I'm a calendar fiend. Like I block out all my time, uh, because I think if you don't have a plan for your time, it's like, you know, I feel like my time will be wasted. And of course there's downtime and all that, but I plan out every morning when I wake up, 
while I'm getting ready for the day, I listen to, uh, to audiobooks. I, uh, read, I do things to start my day. Cause if I have a really good start to my day and I feel like I've already checked off the parts of the to-do list that I always carry over to tomorrow, then I will be way more successful. So that's what really helps me stay on top of my game is starting out my day. And you know, I love automation, Amira. Okay. <laughs> so I have it automatic where it's like, I'm getting ready and I'm listening to it. And that's, you know, a great way for me to start. And I, you know, I, I check the stock market every morning, different things like for me in particular that empower me through the rest of my day. Love it. Love it. Okay. My final question for you. Drum roll. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what makes you an unstoppable woman? I think it's the, it's the ability to understand that I can achieve what I set my mind to. Cause we can say that all day long. It's like, you can achieve it. But if you don't absolutely believe it to your core, then you will not achieve it, right? So understanding that I am my, the person that holds me back, understanding that and saying, there's no way I'm gonna get in my own way. That makes me unstoppable because I know I have the aptitude and the ability to learn, to build the confidence. And I'm not going to stand in my way. I'm not going to be the person that takes that opportunity away from me. Love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I just want to reflect back to you, how generous you have been with all your stories and insights and how you have really demonstrated this aspect that you just said in the answer to your, your last question, which is that you're just going to go for it. You're not going to keep yourself small, live a life of regret and how you did that in starting your, your podcast and you just went for it, right? It's such a great uh, role model for, you know, creating the life that you want and, and proving to yourself that you can actually achieve the things that you set out to do, like that, that you just took that action and you did it. And, and thank you as well for sharing your success habits, your perspective on like the biggest things to, to really give you confidence around money and how to approach that and, and the perspective of just sheer generosity and, and how you share uh, the knowledge that you've gained along your own personal journey. So thank you so much. Thank you. I, I mean, again, you're an inspiration and your loyal listeners need to know how amazing you are because my listeners have written in and said, we love Amira. Like she's an amazing guest. And so I appreciate the time. I really do. And I hope that the listeners come check out, you know, the, the podcast. And if they have questions, you know, specific questions to their money, send me a message, email me. It's financially free journey podcast at gmail.com. I will answer. I answer a hundred percent of my emails from listeners because oh, I love that you took the opportunity and you put yourself out there to ask me a question for something you need help with. I will answer you. I love so it. thank that's, you. That's awesome. That's such an, like such a give. So I appreciate that. And I'm sure everyone listening does too. So that's a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Courtney, for being here. Go check out her podcast and we'll see you in the next episode. Rock it out, be unstoppable and have an amazing day.
Hey there, Unstoppable Woman. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that episode. I often hear, how do you make a quantum leap? How do I get out of my own way and execute at the highest level? As a high achiever, you know that hard work is part of the picture, but there's something more. And that's what I want to teach you at the Unstoppable Woman Income Breakthrough Summit. This is three days immersive with me. I'm going to be teaching you what it took for me to go from 138K a year to 700K in one year as a solo entrepreneur. That's a five times quantum leap in income. And I've helped so many clients do similar things, and I would love to help you do that as well. We are going to be working on your marketing. We're going to be working on your mindset. So it's a bulletproof mindset so that you can do what you want to do in this world. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business faster than you ever thought possible. So please, if this is what you want, do not miss this. Join us November 5th, 6th, and 7th at the Unstoppable Woman Income Breakthrough Summit. You can find out more at joinamiralive.com. That's joinamiralive.com. Go buy your ticket now, and I can't wait to see you there. Bye.